If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die of fighting, it is no disgrace. Coward in the service, he will find no place. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. When we get to heaven, brother, we'll be glad. Keep on the firing line. How we'll praise the Savior for the call we had. Keep on the firing line. When we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus from the pass of sin, with a shout of welcome we will all march in. So keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. <laughs> Amen. Yep, the only thing that made that better is if I was doing the bass. <clears throat> Nothing against Brother Mark, but boy, I'm toned in right now. <clears throat> All right. Man, that was good. I like that. That was great. Just some great music tonight. Wow. A man was telling his neighbor, he said, I just bought a new hearing aid. It cost me $4,000, but it's state of the art. It's perfect. Really? What kind is it? 1230. Uh, you'll get that in a minute if you didn't get it already. <laughs> Turn to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 33. <clears throat> We're in our Winning the Lost to the Savior series and I got a graphic for that. You probably see it as the slides flip through, and uh, we try to keep up on things like that, pre-service slides, and it may show up there, but that's our Sunday night series. We may veer away from it from time to time, but that's basically the emphasis on Sundays now, winning the loss to the Savior. <clears throat> Tonight, we want to talk about every Christian is a soul winner. Every Christian is a soul winner. Ezekiel 33, 8. 
<clears throat> the Bible says, When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Now, according to the passage, it's real obvious that every believer ought to be an instrument in the hand of God for winning others to Christ. Amen. That's just the reason, uh, the, the, the way it is. I mean, we should be sharing the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Soul winning ought to be the main business of every believer. We talked about that when we met before. And we think about that winning someone to Christ, winning a soul. What does that really mean? Well, it's important to remember that every soul won is really won by the Lord himself. Let's face it, we got to be careful. It's not really you and I, uh, in a sense, uh, winning them. We understand that. We, we know that uh, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that's doing the winning. But in a sense, we're doing the catching. We're, we're kind of pointing people in the right direction. We're trying to enable them to meet up with the master. We're trying to get them to accept and receive him. But he's the one that really does the saving. Uh, we speak of soul winning as leading a soul to Christ. And again, uh, we simply, uh, if you will, are placing their hand in his hand. That's what we're doing. We're trying to gather them up and saying, all right, here's the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he, he put your hand in his hand. He's the one that'll save you. He's the one that'll lead you to heaven. It's not us. We're just simply leading you to the Savior. We're leading that soul to Christ. Now again, in what sense is every Christian a soul winner then? Well, I suppose that the winning of a soul, uh, it's, it's kind of a team effort, first of all. Um, we work together to make it happen, if you will. Um, we should be at the disposal of the Lord at all times. We should be available to Jesus Christ at all times. We should avail ourselves to his need at all times. I mean, wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, we need to be open and willing to let him lead us and direct us. Now, again, we may be the first link. We may be the second link, but we may be somewhere in between, if you will, but God will use us as he sees fit. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, it says, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. The fact is, is that we may not be the one that gets to lead him to Christ, but we may be one, the one who gets to plant some seed. And we have to be careful that we don't get to a place where we think that success is determined solely on how many notches on our Christian spiritual belt that we have. The fact is, is that we may be at some point in the process here one time and in the process here another, and maybe God will give us the blessing of leading a soul to Christ. But the truth is, we're to be working and laboring in this endeavor. He says again, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Question then, what kind of effort are you making? You know, what kind of effort am I making then? If I'm going to be rewarded for my own labor, then it's going to be based on my own effort. Again, we may put the plan in place and we may even put a program there to help a, 
facilitate soul winning and reaching people with the gospel, but when it's all said and done, it's really your effort, my own effort, our own labor that we'll be judged by. And so it's important that we keep that in mind as we move along. Now, it's important that we don't get discouraged in this work. And we've often said and will continue to say that it's not our job to win them, it's our job to warn them. And I think that's, again, very critical, essential in the mindset of a believer, in the mindset of a soul winner. Man, we knock on a lot of doors. I, I, I admit on Tuesday and on Thursday had some really good doors. Now, I didn't, we, we caught a lot home on Tuesday. We caught not as many home on Thursday. Matter of fact, one side of the road wasn't half bad. The other side was non-existent to me. But on Saturday, I'm telling you right now, I think people were sleeping until 1 o'clock in the afternoon because people weren't answering the door. And the guy could get discouraged and say, well, why did I even waste my time going? I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that God rewards obedience and that all of a sudden we see somebody walking in the church that just got saved this week. Maybe it's because we got a couple of phone calls already this, this, just today alone. I don't know how many more might even be on an answering machine that I didn't check today already, but I'm going to tell you this. There's a score, a number of people, scores of people that were touched and reached this week with the gospel, and who knows? A lot may not have been reached, but hey, we're not told to win them. We're just told to warn them, and we're doing the best we can, and God's going to bless us, Amen. and he is blessing So let's consider seven reasons why every Christian should be a soul winner then. Let's just talk about seven reasons why every Christian should be a soul winner. We're going to go ahead and begin with a word of prayer and then we'll start our list here in just a moment. Father, help us now in these next few minutes. Lord, help us to be reminded again of why every Christian ought to be a soul winner. Lord, I know that In this crowd, there's folks that have heard messages on soul winning for years and probably could come up with these seven reasons on their own. But I pray, Lord, that you would just help us, Father, to be receptive to your word, to evaluate our own lives, realizing, Lord, that we're going to be judged based on our own labor. Father, we need you, Lord. We love you. I am only responsible for the church in the sense of the church, but each individual is going to make their own decisions in the end. And Father, I'm going to make my decisions in this area. And I just pray, Lord, you'd help us to be reminded one more time of why we ought to be a good soul winner or just even a soul winner in general. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, first of all, reason number one, the Lord Jesus has commanded us to be soul winners. That's a pretty good one. And again, we're not going to take a lot of time to go through that one because I think it's pretty well known, but we know that we've been given our marching orders. We think about passages in Matthew. We think about Mark. We think about Acts. And the Bible tells us, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've been commanded to go. We know that that uh, command was given to those first apostles, those first disciples, if you will, but that's also been extended and passed down to you and I. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. John chapter 17, verse 18, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking said, 
as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Man, he sent us. He's commanded us to go. That's a good reason to be a soul winner. That's a good reason to carry our Bible as a, as a witness. That's a good reason to give the gospel to people. That's a good reason to keep our eyes and our ears open for their cry. The Lord Jesus has commanded us to be soul winners. Number two, the promises of God encourage us to be soul winners. We think about the promises of God. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 126, verse 6. <clears throat> Powerful passage, really. Psalm chapter 126, verse 6. Here in this particular passage, we read, He that goeth forth and weepeth. <clears throat> he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Man, I mean, there's a lot going on in that passage, isn't there? I mean, I'm thinking about that 60 hours of prayer that we did and how we were praying for God to work and move in our campaign. I still can remember hearing and seeing uh, even at times just the, just the, the weeping, the, the tears being shed and sh shared with others and the heart and the, the, just the, I mean, just the uh, passion for souls as we prayed and begged God. Can I tell you that God rewards that kind of passion for souls? He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, not sharing their own beliefs or their own system of understanding, but literally the precious seed of the Word of God, how quickly we get away from the Scriptures. It's so easy to insert or sometimes imply our own belief, our own system of understanding, when really God's Word is key to everything. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. What a wonderful promise. Bringing his sheaves with him. Someone says, yeah, I've been at this a long time. It doesn't happen. I've, we talked about this a while back, but I'm telling you, I am convinced today that we have neglected this element of prayer to the degree where it has affected our effectiveness. Now, I know that things have changed, and I realize it's not 1960, and I know that not everybody's being taught there's a God in heaven, and I realize and recognize that there's a trend toward uh, atheism and getting away from God, but I'm going to tell you there is still a God in heaven that's seated on the throne of God, and He sent His Spirit to give us victory, and I know without a doubt that His promises are still good today. Amen. What a promise. Then the naysayer says, well, I remember, I remember uh, Noah, 120 years, he preached and getting any converts. Well, when uh, you live back in Noah's day, then I'll give you a break too. But let me tell you something. It ain't Noah's day yet. We're getting there quick, but it ain't Noah's day the fact that you've got the freedoms and I have the freedoms I still have to spread the gospel, to wear a sandwich sign out on a street, to preach the gospel on a corner. Friend, don't tell me. I can only imagine what he went through in those days. We think about the godlessness that we're experiencing in America over the last four months. 
over the last five years, over the last 10 years, over the last 40 years, can I tell you that it, hey, listen, it is worse in certain countries than it's ever been in the United States. They've been living like this for years. Communistic countries didn't even allow the gospel to be preached, proclaimed, or shared. Listen, don't tell me it's like Noah's Day yet in America. It isn't even close. We've got so many freedoms and opportunities to give the gospel, and who are we kidding? You can still hear the name Jesus, and you still hear the name God. I know that it's not as common as it used to be, but it is not totally uncommon either. Sometimes we talk ourselves into defeat. And I do believe that the church has done that to somehow ease the burden that they feel for not seeing success in the ministry. I think sometimes we've bought into the idea that it just can't be done because that makes it easier for us not to do it. I'm telling you, the work still needs to be done. Oh, you say it'll take a lot more work. Well, then it takes a lot more work. But either way, God's Spirit's still involved and the Word of God is still powerful and it still changes lives. The fact is, is that when we're not expecting changes in lives, we'll never see them. The problem today in our America is that we have such low expectations. I think about Christian parents and how they're like, well, you know, kids are just going to be kids. They're going to go off the deep end. That's just the way it is. Even my kids, I don't know what to do. There's no way you can raise a godly kid today. You're out of your mind, friend. You're out of your mind if you even think, well, I'm just going to have to give in to some things. That's just the way it is. What? Your expectations are way too low. You don't have a big enough God. It's not the God I serve. This idea that people don't want to get saved today, that's a lie. That people don't want to try to seek out the Lord Jesus, that's a lie. Are they falling at our feet? No, but let me tell you something. I'm looking at Jesus' day and they weren't falling at his feet either. By the way, when he left the earth, matter of fact, the only thing that were fallen at the feet of the Romans were the Christians who stood for Jesus. And they had swords cutting their heads off. But people still were getting saved in spite of that kind of environment. Isn't that amazing? A pagan environment, totally atheistic, had wanted, in a sense, or not even atheistic, pantheistic. Man, they had so many gods that could shake a stick at. I mean, you just didn't even know who they were. The unknown God, Right? People still kept getting saved. It's amazing what God, will prom- what God promises and what can happen. I think if we would all pray a little bit more, I think we'd see more results. I do believe that. I, I think 60 hours of prayer proved that. Amen. My concern is that this week won't be as good as last week because 60 hours was before last week, not this week. The question is, are we going to be praying? got to pray. Luke chapter 5 verse 10 says, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. He tells him, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, Simon, you might have been out there catching fish, but now you're going to catch men. You know, I got this sneaking suspicion that he's saying the same thing to us. I don't know what your greatest pursuit was, your main pursuit was in life. I know what Peter's was. It was fish. Every day he woke up thinking, I'm going to go on out there and I'm going to catch me some fish. Every day he woke up and thought, 
Fish are what I can't help but think about. Every time I turn around, I think about fish. I smell fish. I feel fish. I see fish. It's driving me nuts. It's totally fishy. It occupied his mind. It consumed his life. And the Lord steps up and says, oh, by the way, what was so important to you is not going to be the main thing anymore. You're going to catch men now. Can I tell you the moment you and I got saved, I don't know what it was that we thought was the main business in our life, what we thought was so important, what had to get done, what was top priority. I can tell you what is now, catching men. Men and women seek after fame and fortune. They seek for power, prosperity, popularity, prestige, preeminence. That's not what God says for the believer to seek after and search for. That's not our main goal and not our main mission anymore. It's souls. It's reaching people, fishing for men. Number three, we already seen the Lord Jesus has commanded us to be soul winners. Number two, the promises of God encourage us to be soul winners. Number three, the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to be soul winners. As Christ prepared to return to heaven, he gives the, these instructions to the disciples. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and look at what he tells them to do. Again, I told you this wouldn't be anything new. It's just review. But I do believe it's important that we're reminded consistently and continually of our responsibilities. So good to see you with your new baby. Wonderful. Congratulations. That's lovely. I love it. Has a baby, walks right into church and brings her baby to church. Good for you. God bless you. That's so awesome. So awesome. <clears throat> Notice what the Bible says here in Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. You see that? Tarry ye in the city. He said, I'm going to send the promise of the Father upon you, but you need to tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Notice it's until they're endued with power on high. You don't go anywhere, you don't do anything till you've been endued with power on high. Wow, that's, that is powerful. He's talking about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But he's not just talking about the indwelling presence. He's talking about the filling of the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to have control of our life. Yielded to the Spirit of God. Until the Spirit shows up, nothing will be accomplished. John 14, he tells us what the comforter was and who it was. It was the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Man, the Spirit of God's the key to the success of soul winning. It's key. He's key. Again, without Him in us, we're unable to go out and reach others. Without Him being given the authority in our life to guide us and direct us and ultimately empower us, it's not going to happen. I don't, I don't know about you, but when things don't happen the way I want them to, you know what the first thing I think is? What did I do wrong? That's, like, that's how I am all the time. It's like, okay, this didn't work out the way I wanted it to. What did I do wrong? 
You know, I don't usually look at everybody else and go, well, of course it didn't work, because look what they didn't do, and look what that didn't do, and look at that, and if it wasn't for this, and I usually think, what did I do wrong? Knock on that door, talk to them. Mm. Door after door after door after door after door, nothing happens. Do you know what I start asking myself? What am I doing wrong? Do you know what most Christians do, I think? Well, obviously it doesn't work anymore. You get where I'm going with this. But you know what happens? You know what we just did? We just blamed God. We said that his promises aren't true. We just called him a liar. It's not my fault that nobody's getting saved, obviously. They just don't want it. Nobody wants to hear it. I know what he said. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless return again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves. Yeah, right. He didn't live in 2021. Oh, I see. So God's promises aren't true today. So we knock on door year after year after year after year. We never see anything and we go, it's those people. They're a mess. They don't want nothing to do with God. It ain't my fault. I'm out there doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. I'm just asking you. Have you ever thought that it could be you? Maybe you're not praying like you ought to pray. Maybe your interests aren't what they ought to be. Maybe your focus isn't what it ought to be. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe you say, I don't have the gift of gab. Okay, but man, this week we've had people say, it was like, they dro- like God dropped them in my lap. God can drop someone in your lap. But have you prayed for him to do that? Have you begged God to do that? Have you prepared for God to do that? I'm telling you, every Christian should be a soul winner. And may I say that although you may not be burning the, 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 you know, you may not be burning it down, so to speak, and maybe you haven't had the opportunity to win very many people to Christ, the question I'd be asking myself is still this. What am I doing wrong? Man, listen, I go out every time and I ask, did I do what I needed to do? How could I make this better? How can I get more effective? Lord, is there anything I should change? Maybe I, didn't, uh, I could have answered that person differently. Maybe I could have been a little bit more bold. Maybe I could have... Do you ever go through that? I think that process is positive. I'm not saying that we walk away beating ourselves up, going, you're terrible, you're nobody, you're nothing. No, not like that. But just, Lord, I just want to be the best I can be. And God, just let me know you're still, in the, you're still in the business of saving souls. Bring somebody. Drop them in my lap if you have to. Maybe I'm not the best soul winner, and I know I'm not. Maybe, but it won't be because I'm not trying, and it won't be because I'm not practicing, it won't be because I'm not working at it. If handicapped people can lead folks to Christ, friend, I think you could. I think we all can. The question is, how bad do we want it? Again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody. I just think sometimes our expectations are so low. The Holy Spirit of God is so essential and so necessary in this process. Then anybody, listen, I've often said it. 
You, you, you can get a, a monkey to teach a Sunday school lesson. You can get anybody to stand up in a pulpit and give a lesson or a message. But if it's a person doing it all and it's not the Holy Spirit of God and doing them with power, my friend, it'll mean nothing in the end. I mean, we're wasting our time. We, we, you know, we're training people to go into seminary or into Bible colleges and come out with a CEO mentality and they're going to stand in a pulpit and they're going to give the word of God and they're going to let people know how it's going to be done and there's no power in the Holy Spirit in their life, then it's useless. It's producing nothing eternal. Oh, there'll be occasionally somebody that'll get it because the word of God doesn't return void. But friend, what's going on in our lives? Why is it that the world goes the direction it's going? And we'd be able to say, we don't know why if we were all going the right direction. But we're not, are we? Our churches are dying across the country. What's going on in our pulpits? Pastors are quitting faster than they're filling the pulpits. Missionaries are coming off the field faster than we can even train them, let alone get them on the fields. And then they're going to the fields and they're leaving after one time. Some of them don't even make it through their first, their first, uh, uh, de- their first time out there for three years. They don't even stay that long. What's going on with us? What's wrong with us? I think it all boils down to two things. Prayer and no filling of the Holy Spirit. I really do. I think it's all based on those two elements. In our own lives, in our own homes. We've got to, we're going to have to somehow get a hold of God and get the presence of the Holy Spirit in our homes too. G. Campbell Morgan once said this. He said, waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. Third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. Man. We're waiting on God, preacher. Man, like I told you the other day, we better quit praying for a burden and go get one. If we're waiting for God to, well, Lord, you make me a soul winner, I'll be one. Better start preparing. We had all those classes, and praise God, so many of you. I think at one point we had as many as 80 or 90 people up in that classroom. I think we've had over 50 people now that that have been qualified as soul certified. Praise God for that. That's a wonderful thing. But if that's where your efforts stop in preparing and readying yourself, don't expect God to keep giving you souls. And he wants us to keep begging him and pleading with him. And he wants us to depend on the spirit and not our own ability. Well, I'm soul certified. I know what I'm doing. You better trust Jesus. I'm telling you right now, that soul certification will mean nothing. And that's truth with all of us. It's just so true. Waiting is one of the most difficult requests to obey from God. And yet he says, we're going to have to wait. Tarry here, he says. Tarry here. Don't go. Don't do anything till you prayed. Don't do anything till the Holy Spirit endows you. Christ knew better than anybody that his work couldn't be done without a supernatural empowering of the Spirit of God. If you look at the work of Christ while he was on earth. He's always talking about the Spirit of God. Remember, he didn't even start his public ministry till the Holy Ghost of God fell upon him, till that holy dove came down. 
In the book of Hebrews, we learned that it was the Spirit of God that empowered it. He instructed his servants to tarry, to wait for the undoing of the Holy Spirit before they attempted to work for God. Hey, are you like me? Are you like me in that sometimes things just have to get done? I'm going to get it done. We say, you know, if you see a need, take the lead, and I think that's good advice. But hold on, we have to be careful in certain areas. The world's dying and going to hell. I gotta get up there and save them. But it's not me saving them. And if I try to do that in my own strength, then it, I'm probably gonna get my own reward. I need a whole lot of fruit, that's for sure. And if I do get some fruit, it won't remain because it's not real, it's counterfeit. It's flesh fruit. Man, we need the Holy Spirit of God to work. That's why I'm so encouraged. I'm speaking to a wonderful lady tonight on the phone. In the midst of our conversation, she just breaks down crying. I said, is there anything I can help you with? She just starts weeping. Folks, listen to me. That's the Holy Spirit working. I'm out of the door, and, and I meet a young man who's in his mid-20s. He's been in the military. He's finally gotten out of the military. And I'm talking to him at the door, and I get to talk to him about his life and his Christianity. And I tell him, listen, you've backslidden. You need to get right with God. And he still loves you. And the tears just start pouring down his face. You think that's Mark O'Donnell, the preacher? No, it isn't. That was the Holy Spirit. That was 60 hours of prayer, folks. That was 60 hours of prayer. A 20-some-year-old young man weeping as we talk to him about the things of God and about getting right with God and getting back to the Lord, that's the Holy Spirit working. Tarry here, he says. Don't you go and do anything, disciples. Don't step out there and try to accomplish this mission on your own. You wait till the Holy Spirit comes. You tarry here until you're endued with power. In John 15, 5, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. How often are we, I mean, let's face it, we're, 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 we're timid, we're shy, we're scared, we're afraid so many times, aren't we? We are. It's our human nature. Now, I mean, there are certain folks in among us probably that are like, man, bold as lions all the time. I'm sure there's probably somebody, at least you're thinking of somebody, and you may assume that it's easy for them, but it may not be nearly as easy as you think. Well, look, it's natural for them. That's easy for them. That's their bend. That's their nature. That's their personality. You might be surprised. Boy, we got to do something, though. We're not going to get it done in this flesh. We're going to have to wait till we're endued with power. Listen, before Tuesday night, how much time will you and I spend praying about outreach and reaching souls and 
being and having Christ with us while we're out. Well, we've already got the promise he'll be with us. There's no need to pray about it. I know, but what about them? You could be praying for them. I could be praying for them. Let's prepare hearts. Lord, whatever street I'm on, I want you to already begin working in their lives. I want you to be, begin humbling them now. Bring circumstances into their lives that break them and ultimately cause them to bend their knee. And Lord, embolden me. Help me not to just feel a little bit of resistance and give up and quit. Help me to realize I'm the only one between them and possibly going to heaven or hell tonight. Because until they hear the word of God, they have no hope. Have you ever talked to somebody or shared something with someone and knew you? That's probably the last time you'll ever see them before they die. Has that ever happened to you? felt like that happened to me this week. Listen, I, I don't know. But you know what? When it's all said and done, we ought to feel that way about everybody we talk to about the Lord. Everybody we come in contact with, we ought to think this might be the last time I ever see them because they may go into eternity before I ever see them again. But we better be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's wait on the Lord. Let's tarry until he comes and speaks to us. He'll give us wisdom and he'll give us courage. He'll give us everything we need to be successful in winning souls. He'll do that. And then tonight, let me just finish by saying we've been ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ as soul winners. I've got 15 of these. No, I'm teasing. But we're just going to end with this one. We've been ordained by the Lord Jesus as soul winners. John chapter 15, verse 16. Would you turn there, please? We'll end with this. <clears throat> We've been ordained, called, commissioned. When I say we, I'm talking about the church, so therefore I'm talking about every single one of us. Because the church is a body of believers. Every believer is called. Every believer is ordained. Notice what he says in John 15, 16. Jesus Christ speaking, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. I've ordained you. Did you go and bring forth fruit? That your fruit should remain. It doesn't matter. Our sinful past does not matter. Our rebellious ways, no longer an issue. The Lord sees fit to entrust you and I with this wonderful commission, this ordination, if you will. He ordains it. He says, I got this great passion for people. I want to see the world saved, and I'm going to entrust that into your care. What an honor to be chosen or appointed to that end. You imagine, literally, the Lord Jesus Christ showed up on earth tonight, and he came down, and he opened up the roof, and he literally came down and stood right in front of the pulpit, and he looks you right in the eye, and he says, I'm entrusting the souls of Akron into your hands. 
I'm trusting you with them. I am not on earth except in the person of the Holy Spirit, and he lives in you, and therefore I'm sending you to reach them. He personally ordained you. When I was just a kid in the first grade, I still recall being in music class, and we were preparing for a program. And um, the teacher, they had us, the teacher had us playing all these unusual kind of instruments. They were trying to teach us instruments, trying to teach us different, you know, you know, just all kind of stuff that kids need to learn about music. And someone would, you know, crash a couple of miniature cymbals together. You know, those little ones with the red handles, you know, ching, every, ching, ching, every once in a while. And then the other one would be playing the sticks. You know, she'd point to him and he'd go, click, 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 click. Man, it was, I mean, it was, it was on. And then I can still remember the teacher trying all kind of kids out. Trying all kind of kids for the block. To play the block. There's a big block of wood, see? And you, you had a, a drumstick and you'd hit the block of wood. Click, click, click. Now the block was the best. You got to understand that because... You played it throughout the whole song. It wasn't just when she pointed to you, click, 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 or ting, ting. You were like, click, 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 click. All eyes were on you. She went through a bunch of kids. I mean a bunch. And I still remember sitting there thinking to myself, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. I can do it a lot better than that. I know I can do it. Oh, I want to get my chance. Hope I get a chance. And sure enough, it was my opportunity. And I still remember, I took that block in my hand. I was nervous. And I was nervous. I mean, she was watching. The kids were all watching. And all of a sudden, she started the music up. And I remember trying to be so careful, so precise. And I can still feel, remember, I'm scared to death to make a mistake, but I just kept hitting the block to the beat of the music. Dance, 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 Indian man. <laughs> dance, shake your rattle, beat your drum. Boy, ain't this a lot of fun. Dance, 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 Indian man. And she said, class, I think we have our block player. And I was like, yes. Man, I was so excited. I was so honored to be the block player. That teacher entrusted me to keep the beat to the whole song the whole time hitting the block. I'm going to tell you something. That was an honor. But how much more of an honor should it be for the God of heaven to share with us the privilege of saying, I'm not on earth any longer, but you are. And I want you to play the block. I want you to share the gospel. I want you to win some souls on my behalf. Share me with others so that they can come to my son. Man, I'm going to tell you something. What an honor it is to be in the business of winning souls. Man, we have been ordained by him.
The Lord Jesus has commanded us to be a soul winner. The promises of God encourage us to be soul winners. The power of the Holy Spirit enables us to be soul winners. We've been ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ as soul winners. May God help us to do our best, filled with his spirit, to change the world. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. We're so grateful for all you've done for us. Lord, help us, Father, we pray. It's so easy to get discouraged in this area of soul winning. It's so easy to feel defeated. But Lord, you've proven to us and you've promised to us over and over again that we can have victory. Oh, we may not always win souls every time. We may go through droughts and periods of time where we're not. But Lord, help us to evaluate ourselves, to ask the question, am I doing something wrong? Lord, we want to be victorious. We want to see success in this area because we want to please you. We know that it's not going to be us anyway that wins them. It's got to be you. Help us to tarry on the Holy Spirit and wait on the Holy Spirit. May we pray and beg you for victory. Continue to bless our campaign. Continue to bless our efforts as individuals. And Lord, we'll thank you. May we, Father, fulfill our God-given purpose of reaching people with the gospel. Oh, we desperately need you. And we cannot do it without you. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye.